I appreciate that because I think in, in some respects, I've, you know, I, I've had some conversations with different individuals. And one of the things that, that I try to remind people is that the thing that you think that is your weakness might actually be an undiscovered strength, or it's maybe something a little bit less to be afraid of than you might want to think. I think one of your topics is uh, the imposter syndrome, right? That you talk about. You you wouldn't have so much of this imposter syndrome going on if you could just recognize that people already see your faults and still appreciate you for who you are. So, so I'd love to have you kind of talk a little bit about oh, that, that. Uh, that that's that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that. It's so true because you know we're all vulnerable about something, and once mm-hmm. we can share a little bit of our vulnerability, we create a safe space for other people to share theirs because. The reality is we're all perfectly imperfect and we're striving to be perfect, which is not it's not what we're here for. It's not what we're supposed to do. It's about recognising that the things that are my imperfections could very well be somebody else's perfect. And therefore, if we work together, we're going to be significantly better as a result because I can help them, hopefully, if my strengths are where, where they're vulnerable, and they can help me. But it allows you to to kind of create this space where we're all just a little bit more human, um, particularly in today's despair and compare society, because we we look at the seemingly perfect lives of everybody else's, and then we look at the messy reality of our own, and we find ourselves lacking. But the reality is we all have messy moments. We all have things that don't go to plan. We all have things that we're not good at. I mean, I spent years calling everybody sweetheart and darling because I'm rubbish at names and I know how important it is for people. But it works because that is what I call all my friends as well. That is authentically how I talk to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember being in a boardroom once and this guy went, did you just call me sweetheart? And I went, yeah, don't get excited. I'm rubbish at names. I called them earlier as well. So please don't worry. Um, But it was about saying, actually, I need to turn up and be authentically me. And I remember being uh, being interviewed actually for for a big, big role. And the group um, people officer uh, was doing the final stage interview and and sat there and she said to me, "Um, if you had to sum yourself up in a word, Kim, what would it be? And so I thought about it for a moment and I was like, um, loud. And she nearly fell off a chair and she went, sorry, um, loud. And I was like, yeah, okay, so you've known me for what, 55 minutes? And she was like, yeah. So do you think I'm loud? And she went, well, actually, yeah. I said, great, in that case, it's self-aware and it's honest. I'll stick with it. And she said, that got you the job. She said, because you're the first person in nearly 30 years that I've asked that question to that hasn't gone I'm motivated or I'm a goal, yeah, I'm, I'm goal orientated or I'm a high achiever. She said, you were just really honest. <laughs> and she said, and I knew in that moment that, that actually what we saw was what we were going to get. There was nothing, you know, there was nothing else that, that we needed to worry about. And yet, despite that, despite my ability to be able to do that in interviews, I was still convinced that I was hopeless at my job. Um, I remember being given my first ever coach, and this is probably about uh, 18 years ago. Uh, and he sat down and he was like, okay, Kim, so um, what would you like to chat about? And I was like, I'm really hopeless at my job. And he was like, okay, um, do you have any evidence of that? And I went, no, not really. I just know that I am. Um, and he was like, okay, is there any evidence you might be good at your job? I went, no, none. Uh, and he was like, okay. <laughs> 
He said, can, can I share with you some facts and let's see what, what we think of those? And I was like, of course. Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I just need help. So please do help me. And he said, right. So um, am I right in thinking that you've just hit your third consecutive double digit quarter of growth? I said, yeah, that's true. And he went, and your employee engagement scores are higher than the five year aspiration for the organisation globally. And I was like, yeah, that's also true. Um, and he went, and haven't you just been awarded leader of the year for the whole global company? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's that's also true. And he goes, so on these facts, Kim, do you still think you're hopeless? And I went, yeah, because if they knew what I knew, <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't have given me these things. They wouldn't think that I could I could do it. And it was one of those kind of real breakthrough moments where I'd inadvertently got so worried about what I perceived other people thought of me that I would dismiss anybody else's point of view. So even when amazing people that I aspired to be like as leaders came and told me that I was doing a great job or gave me awards or um, gave me bonuses, I would dismiss what they were saying and go, they're just being kind. Or if only they knew I was just the hairdresser, they wouldn't do this. So I had an internal dialogue that was colouring my whole world. And yet externally, you were desperately trying to not let anybody in to that world, to anybody to see it. And so I was given a task and I recommend people to to do this because it was a massive eye opener for me. I had to go and ask people that I knew, liked and trusted. So that was colleagues. It was family members. It was friends. Can you tell me the one or two things that you think uh, I'm really good at, my strengths? And can you tell me the one or two things where you get where I get in my own way? And it's part of my development. And I really need you to be brutally honest. And I remember when I got the feedback back almost unanimously, the things that people saw that I was good at was I was brave and I was fearless. Well, I didn't understand it, Jeff. I sat there going, I live in fear every day. (laughs) Someone's going to find out that I'm just the hairdresser and I shouldn't be here and they're going to turf me off. So so I had to go back and ask them uh, and to to just provide a little bit of colour to it. I'm currently living in the 36th house that I've lived in since I left home at 21. So I've moved around a lot. Um, And all of the people came back and they were like, you will literally up sticks and move somewhere where you know nobody to do a job you're not convinced you can do. Mm -hmm. That's brave and fearless. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought it was flighty and a little bit stupid. So I've lived my life under the labels flighty and a little bit stupid. And you've observed the exact same life, the exact same actions, but you've labelled it brave and fearless. I wonder what my life would be like if I borrowed your labels instead of my own. And so now I do when I find myself with that inner voice going, being flighty, (laughs) being stupid, going, okay, could it be brave? Could it be fearless? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And then what action could I take that moves me in that direction? This podcast is brought to you by Paradox AI, also known as Olivia recruiting's most advanced AI assistant. I used Paradox at my previous organization and their team helped us create a candidate concierge experience that ensured a fast hiring process that still felt very human. We literally hired hundreds of thousands of people, many of whom were critical healthcare workers needed during the pandemic. 
She would let them know we had an interview or offer waiting and would help them navigate onboarding processes. Olivia made the experience easy and fast, two essential ingredients in recruiting great people. It's not just me. Organizations like McDonald's, General Motors, Unilever, and L'Oreal use this technology to create engaging and fast candidate experiences. Go to Paradox.ai to learn more about the amazing things Paradox and Olivia can do for you. I think about the fact that what you just said, our self-talk is often a lot more critical than what others would say about us. Now, there's always that exceptional person out there that is uh, that is uh, completely delusional, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> visions of grandiosity that are unbelievable. But but that's we're not talking about the one tenth of one percent. We're talking about the ninety nine point nine percent of us, right? Who actually wonder how we ever got to where we are, and we all look at that and we say. If they would just figure out who we are, they would they would run for the hills. If they actually knew um, what some of the behind the scenes, they would they would they would be like, "Are you kidding? I'm following this dope." It's it's so true though, isn't it? Because you you know we, we do we do do that. We we kind of yeah. I, I remember I'd got an MVQ in hairdressing and nothing else. And when you got put on future leaders courses, they'd be like, "Where's your degree?" So well, I don't have one of those. Actually, that's not what's important. We make it important, but it's it's about being present, be, being in the situation. And you shared an amazing story um, about the the lady coordinator. But I remember this this guy like I sat down next to him, and he was he was like, "I can't talk to you, Kim." And I was like, "Why?" He went, "You're like really important." I said, "It was so ridiculous." I said, "I've I've got a job to do, and if I get my job wrong, we've got a problem." But you've got a job to do. And if you get your job wrong, we've got a problem. And, you know, the last time I checked, if you cut me, I'd bleed. Pretty certain if I cut you, you'd bleed. Please don't tell HR I threatened to cut you. (laughs) He just started laughing. He was like, you're actually really normal, aren't you? I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Because we've we've all just got something different to do. But actually, unless we all play our A game, we don't succeed. So don't look at your role and go, well, mine's not as important. Because... Every part of the car needs to be working for the car to work to its optimum. The same is true of our team. So instead of comparing it and going, well, I'm not as important as the tyres, I'm not as important as there's something else. It's like, actually, if I'm not here doing my bit and doing it well, the car can't perform in the way that it wanted to. And how do we help people see the importance of what they do? Because you're right, the self-talk, and it fascinates me because actually Einstein had imposter syndrome. So there is a quote that he uh, shares, which is the esteem within which my works are held, leave me feeling like an unlikely swindler. So globally recognised as a genius, doubted the way that his works were held and felt like an unlikely swindler. Um, And I think once we get that and go, actually, we're not too different we're actually the same as each other. We all have those moments of doubts. We, we all have those moments um, where we find ourselves lacking um, because we, we are predisposed to look for the things we don't want. Our brains, unfortunately, were designed when we used to get eaten. So we had to focus more on fear than on anything else because it kept us alive. But we're not in that world anymore. So we can go, okay, I'm not likely to get eaten. <laughs> so now 
what choice am I going to make? What what step am I going to do? And and how do we get comfortable? I remember walking into one organisation and on the first day, the big town hall, um, and they, they asked me a question about um, something that was that was going on with the fine. And I said, well, I'll give you my my opinion and then I will go and get you the answer. I said, I'm going to give you my opinion because I know what you really want to know is am I confident enough to tell you an opinion, even if it might not be 100% correct? And I am, but I'm caveating it heavily. It's my opinion and I will go and find you the actual answer. Um, I said, because I'm not, I'm not scared to be wrong. Because if I am wrong, I will come back and I will apologise. And I've already told you that I'm going to do that because I'm going to go and get you the right answer. So I've opened the door for my ability to come back and say, turns out I didn't know what I was talking about, loving. <laughs> and this is the answer that, that we move to. But helping people to be courageous with the questions, to be curious, to stop. I think as leaders, once we get less wedded to being right, and more wedded to the right thing being done, we become unstoppable because now it's no longer about do I have all the answers? It's do I have all the questions that are going to ignite in you the answers that are going to drive us forward? This is really great self-help, right? So if you're a leader, take this and apply it to yourself. But what if you as a leader kind of got so good at doing this for yourself that you could actually do this for your teams? What if you could offer them the relief from imposter syndrome? What if you could offer them the relief from that belief that other people will are just waiting to devour them, right? And uh, or to or to crush their world with the next mistake that's made. And instead, you're there to actually build them up, allow them to learn from their mistakes, allow them to share their ideas and admit when they're right and admit when they're wrong. And be able to be able to produce amazing things in the environment without the fear of anything more than the natural consequences that happen in the course of our life. And that we say, yeah, I, I don't want to burn my hand on the stove. Yes, I don't want to cast my company into utter ruins. But I do want to learn from my mistakes. And chances are my decision to do whatever I do here is not going to cast it into utter ruins. Yeah, it is going to be one decision amongst a million decisions, but we should get it right. But that doesn't mean that I will. And I'm okay with that. And you said that so beautifully, Jeff, but but we have the opportunity to do this every day. So so you know, I talk mm-hmm. about the fact that one of my greatest lessons came having become a mum. And part of that is, um, if I were to say to anybody listening that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you're going to have to learn how to walk or talk or run or jump or skip you'd be overwhelmed. We'd all be overwhelmed. And yet at our most vulnerable, we learnt it. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at that when my little girl was learning and I was like, why is that? <laughs> why is it when you're so tiny and your friends are so tiny that you're taking on board something that I would feel overwhelmed if I had to face it today? And I believe it comes down to one thing in two parts, and that's belief. Uh, and the first is our children believe that they're just like us. We can do it so they can do it because, you know, my little girl tells everybody we're twins. We're like the oddest twins since Schwarzenegger and DeVita. (laughs) But she's convinced that we're twins Um, because she is my mini me. But then the second part is I've yet to see a child learning to walk that doesn't have at least one adult nearby going, come on, 
you've got this, you can do it. We quite literally lend people our belief until they add it to their own. And the same is true every day globally. Every time we ask somebody to do something for us, we think they can do it. Because if not, not only do they look stupid, we look stupid for asking them. But imagine if we just took the extra 30 seconds to tell them specifically why we believe they're going to be successful. So instead of saying, Jeff, could you go and do this piece of work for me? Or Jeff, can you go and run this meeting? Could you go and um, do, go and change those um, terms and conditions? If instead I said, Jeff, really helpful to me if you could be the one that chairs this meeting because you are so brilliant at pulling people together, at finding the commonality, at allowing people to be given the opportunity to speak and then to find a solution that works for everybody. And that's why you're perfect for the role. Which one's going to make you more successful? So when we know that 70% of us globally at some point in our lives face the internal fear that we're not good enough, if every one of us took the opportunity when we ask somebody to do something for us to tell them why we believe they're going to be successful, that might just be what they needed to quash their own inner imposter on that day. And imagine how much greater the end of day would be. That is some powerful stuff. One of the quotes that I'd love to leave everybody with, our, our audience, is we, land, we lend our belief to others. In this case, your child who's learning how to walk or your colleague who's struggling through a, a situation. We lend our belief until they make it their own. That is powerful. I've seen it done, and I do this in organisations all over the place. And uh, the one that I shared in a recent TED talk was on the last day, this team needed half a million pounds, and they'd never got anywhere near half a million in a day. So the ask was tremendous. But I believed, genuinely believed that they could do it because they were doing the right things. They'd got the right processes. They just needed to believe. And so we started the day and stood up and did a shout out to the whole floor about what we were doing and why I and the leadership team believed that they were going to be successful. And throughout the day, we kept standing up and doing it again. Like, look how far you've come. Look at what you've achieved. You know, just keep going. Just trust that, that you're going to get there. And I can't tell you what it felt like the moment that you saw it switch from them needing you to give them that belief to them realising for themselves that it was going to happen. And they went on and they didn't just hit that half a million, they annihilated it. And they now deliver a million pounds a day time and time again, because we built the belief. We built that piece that said, imagine when you're already there. We, we start from where we are and we see all the reasons why we can't get somewhere. If we start from the moment of having achieved it, so when you've achieved that, that million pounds, what's it going to feel like? What are you going to be hearing? What are people going to be saying? What are you going to do to celebrate? What's that going to look like? What are you going to go home and tell whoever you live with or your friends? Um, so paint that picture, get all five senses going, the more that you can get to it and then go, what steps might you have taken looking back? Because we all know what happens looking back, but we're in that moment of having achieved it. And that is what our subconscious brain is now going to focus on. So there is those moments, you know, you've gone to buy a car and you know the make, you know the model, you know exactly what you're going to get. And all of a sudden, all you see 
on the roads is that car. And it's not because there's more of that car around. It's because your subconscious brain now knows that you want it. So it filters them into view for you. The same is true of our goals. I think it was Stanford or Harvard that did a study that showed that of the people that that they studied, um, 13% had a written down goal. And only 3% had a written down goal and some action steps of how they were going to achieve it even if they were dreadful, dreadful action steps that were never, ever going to work. They were only 3%. And when they came back and checked after a year, that 3% outperformed the next cohort 10 times. And that's because what they were doing is it's been proven that we use about 10% of our brain power. By putting down what we want and giving some thought to what that's going to be like, we tap into the unused 90% and get that to start to filter into view the opportunities for us to become successful. That is a powerful mind trick that you just shared with the audience that we're going to close with, because I think that there's nothing better than uh, closing with a mind trick. I mean, you know, there's a, you know, so, so you can't beat that. So, so I want to say thank you so much, Kim Adele, for spending the time today with me and the audience and giving such amazing insights, examples, and advice around how a hairdresser can go to the, have a hairdresser in the boardroom. How can you do that? How can somebody make that leap and still be exceptionally successful? Now, an international best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, um, a senior executive within uh, so many different realms, and yet humble beginnings. And you say, how did that happen? How how can that happen? And they say, well, if Kim Adele can figure that out, right? Maybe you can maybe you can learn something from her and her experiences that you can apply to not only yourself but your teams. Kim Adele, any final words that you'd like to share with uh with the business leaders on the on the show? Yeah, I, th- I think the the only thing is be passionately curious. Get really comfortable in being curious about everything. So even with yourself. So when you find yourself going, well, I don't agree with that, or I do agree with that, ask yourself, hmm, why am I so sure that that's wrong? What is it that's making me think this? Because once we can engage that curiosity in everything that we do, whether that's in our work life, whether it's our home life, um, it's amazing how much more opportunity that you get to see and I think once we once we do that and as leaders when you start walking that walk for your people you give them the confidence and the grace to be able to do it for themselves and they're going to be the people that you know you remember you know I I remember I had the most amazing teacher when I was at school Mr Ashley Um, and unfortunately he's not with us anymore But my goal in life has been to be somebody else's Mr. Ashley, to be the person that was able to give belief until that person could find it for themselves. And so I ask myself in every every day, how can I lend my belief today? How can I do it genuinely, do it authentically? Because if not, people look to your point, Jeff will see straight through it. But, But kind of authentically, what can I do to share my belief in somebody today and so they can augment their own? 
And I think if you know, if people listening could just try that for a week, I'd love to know how you get on. But I honestly believe it would be a real breakthrough for you. 100%. So Kim Adele, thank you so much. Kim Adele uh, has, is, a, is a remarkable human being. She has her own consulting business. She has a tremendous amount of experience. But most of all, I think she gives very practical uh, and, and tangible insights that allows you to be able to you know, lend your belief into the lives of others until they can accept it on their own. So what a wonderful, what a wonderful way to leave it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, Growing Your Business with People, a podcast where you can get your MBA in TA for senior business leaders. Thank you.